Hey everybody, this is Phil Town. And this is Danielle Town. And we're here for the Invested Podcast where we are really we are, digging in. We are taking to, heart. We are taking heart. <laughs> we're, we are Warren Buffett, Charlie Munger style investors, which we call rulers, rule one investors, following the rule of investing. Warren Buffett said there's two rules of investing. Rule number one, don't lose money. Rule number What's two, rule don't number forget two? rule number one. Don't forget rule number go. one. And of course, I, I want to reiterate why rule number one isn't a joke, like buy low, sell high is the secret to great profits. But <laughs> rule number one isn't about buy low, sell high. Rule number one is about not focusing on making a money in the stock market. It's about shifting your focus from making money to being very careful not to lose it. And this is really important if you're going to do this kind of investing. You can't invest like this with an eye on what you're going to make because you will make mistakes with that wrong focus. You have mm. to invest with an eye on never making an investment where you could lose money. That's the deal. It's such a like zen attitude and I, of course because it's like that I love it desperately and yet I remember um sometime at the when we did some early episode of this podcast where we did a whole bunch of discussion on that because I didn't get it at all I was like it doesn't it's so obvious like what's the point of saying this dumb sentence don't lose money like hello you're right everybody agrees with you like what's the point of it and I didn't get it um and I think until you lose some money you don't get it and <laughs> until so. you until you it feel that feeling of like going after the money. Um, you don't get it because it well, is a very it. different attitude within your own research focus, within your own decision making. Oh, yeah. I mean, think about what you hear on TV nonstop, what you read in every oh, financial totally. analyst. It's about what's going to go up. Yeah. What's going to go up. And a rule one investor focuses on it's not going to go down, mm -hmm. not in the long run, right? In mm -hmm. other words, we don't actually like it if it goes down in the short run, if we're interested in buying. But we know that in the long run, we know with a very high level of certainty that this isn't going to be cheaper in 10 years than it is today, that it is going to go up. We're not going to lose our, our investment capital. And mm -hmm. that is an incredibly different point of view I almost don't know anybody who does that other than well, our Warren kind of Buffett. investors. Yeah, Buffett and Munger. And, and the reason is, is because you almost, if you implement that as your strategy, what isn't going to lose me money, you're going to find yourself not buying a lot of things, right? Yeah. I mean, here's Tesla going up like a rocket ship and then down like a brick. Oh, no. I was joking when I said we were going to talk about Tesla. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I mean, you guys, just last week, this thing went no, up to 900 and something about... and then down to 700 and something. It's like, whoa. <laughs> so where is it going to be in 10 years? So we we don't – I mean, Buffett has said so many wonderful things about that, but I love the part where – I love this story where – Bill Gates came and said, Warren, you got to invest in computers. This is back in the late 90s. You got to invest in computers, computer software. It's, and, and, he says, and Warren says, why? And he, he said, well, Bill Gates said, well, it's going to change everything. It's going to mm -hmm. change everything. And Warren said, well, is it going to change the way I chew gum? And Gates said, well, no. 
And then Buffett said, then I'm going to stick to chewing gum and you stick to computers. I want to buy things that don't change. I want to buy things yeah. where I know where the future is. Well, I'm and sorry to say about 20 years later, Buffett said, I really missed the boat on all that computer stuff. That was pretty dumb. Well, he has said that about himself for the Multiple last 60 times. years. Over many things. Yeah, Over of course. Many, many things. Everybody's and so wrong. He's always about going stuff. to lament losing out on the hot thing that but turned out to be But it kind of makes that story good. get a little bit invalidated, right? No. In the sense of like, no? No, not at all. I mean, if you look at Buffett's returns, they've been fantastic. Had he bought, let's say he had he bought Microsoft in 1998 when he was having this conversation with Bill Gates, mm -hmm. he would have bought it very near the top of Microsoft for the next almost 20 years. Mm -hmm. All right, fair point, right? fair point. Where his, the gum company did great, all right? In fact, the, the gum company, I, I can't remember what, what Wrigley's is doing, but the, but the chocolate company has done great, right? They're not going to change the way we eat chocolate. And the chocolate company bought for $25 million, and now it makes $65 million a year cash flow in his pocket. So you, you, if you know a company's going to be successful and bigger in 10 years, that's just really the criteria. And then you just got to wait to have more, it go on sale. You're saying that's more valuable to have a company that's reliable, that's not going to change. People are still going to want to chew gum and eat chocolate. And, um, and that's something that if you can buy it at the right price is a better bet because of rule number one, don't lose money, than a high-flying, high-growth, um, new technology kind of company. Change the world Even though company. the new technology company goes, you know... 2,000% crazy high. Right. Um, and the chocolate company and the gum company go 10% per year. You'd but rather... You bought them half off, so you're making a fortune. Mm. You're doubling your money in a short time. And the and, and, and I you're think in, And Buffett I think also... Said, and, and your point is you're in a more secure investment. You're in a much more secure investment. <laughs> I mean, Buffett said, you know, Bill Gates introduced him to Jeff Bezos back yeah. in the 90s. And... And Warren said, you know, we looked at it and I loved Jeff and I think he's brilliant. And I thought he was brilliant then. I thought he was an earth moving guy, but there was no way for us to know. And he's talking about no, like certain, you know, oh yeah, Amazon for sure yeah. is this book company starting in his garage Yeah, is going to turn into this. I mean, there was, no. there was 20 more of them out there. Totally. Right. Totally. Or that Google would be the big home run, like before it ever went public, you know, I mean, actually, Google, I got into Google about a year after it went public. It started to be pretty obvious to me that I was only using Google. Mm -hmm. um, and the rest of these search engines were going to go That's away. That's what they Charlie Munger said, too. He, yeah. he saw it and he missed it. Well, you didn't miss it, but he saw it and he missed it because he was seeing all these ads that were coming up from, because um, he was on Google. Yeah. And he realized they actually had revenue as compared to many internet companies that did not. Yeah, what I saw, when, when the, the, the little insight that I have about technology, I saw that Google had a revenue stream and it didn't have to sell product. 
And this was a huge deviation mm. from the technology world mm. and, and mm. a really interesting moat. I thought, wow, mm. if you don't have to sell anything, that's a big moat. Mm. And then I started using their ad things. You got to go in there and use a thing a little bit to kind of find out about it, you know? Mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, this is just brilliant. You know, I'm, I'm in an auction for ad prices. And this is so brilliant. I only have to pay what I feel like paying. Mm. So anyway, then we, yeah, we found that one. But um, it, in the long run, it's all about certainty. And that certainty has to be certainty <laughs> that you're not going to lose money. And the same way you'd have certainty you're not going to lose money when you buy the house next door in your neighborhood because you know it's it's going to be as good a neighborhood or better in 20 years. The schools are good. The people who live there are, are good people. And, and you, you're very confident that this is going to rent for more in 20 years. You don't have to worry about it. I want you on that level. Yeah. Somebody um, close to us recently I was talking to about buying a house. And I said, you know, you like in this particular spot, it's it's going to be a good investment. Like it's hard to buy there. There's not a lot of space. It's really like it has these great attributes. Like people are going to want to move there for a long time. There's no question about that in my mind. But the market can still crash in the next 10 years. Like it probably will, frankly. And you got to be able to to just stay with it during that time. You have to really think about this as like a very long-term investment because we can't time stuff. Right. And Exactly. And this person was like, oh, really? I have to stay with it? Oh, but if it goes down, that's bad. And I was like, well, but it probably will. So you got to be ready. Like, that's part of the deal here. And it was like, oh, well, like this was like a new idea. And what? It's like a revelation. Oh, this can move around. Yeah. Um, I and, didn't think it could. And that those, but the point is those criteria of a long-term investment come with the understanding that you have to be able to ride out the lower periods. You have to be able to wait. Right. And otherwise it doesn't work to be a long-term investor. Right. You just, you got to know you're in a great company. You got to know in the long run, it's going to work out really well. And you use the, the drops down 40, 50% for as an opportunity to buy more with the money you've been saving up from your day job. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's just a really great way to become wealthy. Buffett said, if you did that with 20 companies in your lifetime, almost certainly if you follow the criteria, we're going to teach you guys. And we've been teaching you for five years. If you follow this criteria uh, at all, and and in terms of picking a, a good business, the way you would pick a good house, and then you wait for it to go on sale, you're going to be in great shape. Buffett said, oh, you'll, you'll have four or five of them that'll make you rich. They'll make you rich. And that's just the fact of it. But you have to do those two things. You have to be sure you what understand the it the way you understand that house. Be sure you understand it. Yep. And then number two, you got to buy it on sale. Buy it on sale. Yep. And by understand what? it, we also mean you have to make sure the house is in a good location. That's the moat for a house. Right. And you got to maintain it. That's the management. Mm-hmm. You're going to do that yourself. Mm-hmm. So those are the three things. Understand the business. Make sure it's got a good location, which is the moat. And make sure you manage it properly. You keep it up. And uh, when you, if you buy it on sale, you're going to be great. And of course, the problem with real estate in Zurich, New York, Vancouver, L.A., <laughs> pretty much everywhere <laughs> except, you know, Iowa or something, 
is, is gone up and up and up and up. And mm -hmm. you can't buy these things at a reasonable price, what we would consider reasonable. That would allow you to sit there and not worry about it when it goes down 50% in the next big recession. Yeah, it's a tough because decision. Because you're making 10, 15% a year. Because also you need a place to live. So right. it's not yeah. like other stuff where it's optional. Oh, you're um, confusing me now. Oh. I don't even like to talk about the house you live in. Okay. Because that's not a business. No, it's not. But you do right. think you, I mean, I certainly apply our investing criteria to buying a house to live in. Nothing wrong with that. So. Nothing wrong with that. I think it's important to do that. But I think also recognizing that, you know, sometimes there's a cost benefit analysis of renting versus buying and maybe the buying wins in certain situations due to yeah, exterior I, I would actually components. really separate those two things. You know, buying a house you're going to live in, um, you need to live in it when? Like now. Like tonight. Because you, you're renting something. You're going to look at the mortgage rate. You're going to say, look, I got to pay rent of, you know, 3000 a month or 10000 a month, whatever league you're in. Um, and I can get a mortgage for cheaper than that, you know, with, with, and I've got the down payment. All of those things factor in, you know, we need to get our kids into school now. We don't want to be moving. Yeah, in. and like where do you those want are all to live? Life. And yeah. yeah. There's Whereas a lot of when stuff. You're looking at a, a house to buy next door, you should be looking at it as a business. It's a business. It's yeah, if not you're not gonna live home. there and it's a pure investment property, then that's yeah, different. Yep. Then then you would should and I think you you should look at it exactly the way you look at buying a company in the stock market or buying any other company out of the stock market, a private company, or building your own company and trying to value it, you would look at it like the way we teach you. And that involves, and here we go, a checklist. <laughs> oh, yay! <laughs> Success! <laughs> so I have thought about this now, and I've decided, you know... We're only um, 13 minutes and 30 seconds in. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to say that I... I'm going to reveal all this because I didn't create all this. This isn't something I just thought up. And so it's not mine, mine. Fair um, enough. And, Fair and enough. this is, we really owe this to Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger. And although they've never given us their checklists, and I doubt that they have one, I, I will say, I doubt that they have a checklist. I um, think they have a checklist. I think you've got a mental checklist. I think you have. No, a, I think the whole point of having it be written is so you don't forget anything. You, you think don't have Warren's to got remember. A written checklist? Yeah. I don't think so. I think so. Charlie's yeah. never said a word about Warren having a written checklist or himself having one either. Well, so not a word. He's never said a so? fact, Charlie said I've never seen Warren do a discounted cash flow analysis. They don't do it. They just have it in their head. It's like, okay, this looks good. And that's why Buffett. All right. As, well, is famous maybe. for having somebody present him a new, hey, Warren, we would like you to buy our but company. I think he said he would give you an answer in five minutes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Actually, because, a little longer than that to go through a checklist. I'll tell you that. Well, because he knows every bloody company on the stock market and can <laughs> go and just sort of jog his memory. And he's so smart and can remember everything that he did from like 1967 and compare it to today like that's why he can go off for five minutes and decide if he wants to buy bank of america so uh, warren if you have a checklist and like danielle says you do and charlie if you have one too and mine isn't remotely like what yours is please feel free to show me 
you can email us at questions <laughs> at email, investedpodcast.com. Email over your checklist and I I will absolutely eat crow. You know in a what? Heartbeat. We'll give it a fair read. <laughs> <laughs> so that said, as a monster caveat about this, you know, that I believe, you know, I Okay, wait, this but let me say me why studying these guys. Yeah, go ahead. All right, and I and then and we'll we'll do our best to lay it out the way, the way that matches both what great investors, what I think great investors are looking at, including I'm not going to say I'm a great investor, but including me in this successful investor, including me in this, what we're looking at, and keeping it short enough to bother looking at it. Okay, yeah, that's the catch. And- it's got to keep short. I think right. that, first of all, let me just say that I think the reason Charlie Munger has a checklist is that he's talked about checklists. And what he's talked about is so long and extensive that I don't know how you would remember all of it. But maybe he does. He's super smart. And then Buffett, I'm not sure, has ever talked about checklists. So you might be right. He might not have a written one. Um, so with I also that think, major disclaimer that we I probably also are think, wrong. I also think... <laughs> I also think that checklists are so individual to each human that taking whatever my dad is about to say, which I have not seen and do not know what he's about to tell us, um, and just sort of taking it as gospel and writing it down is not a good idea because I think even like down to the word, I think it's really important that it work for each of us individually because different words and phrases and prompts can mean something totally different to each person. And you need the stuff that like, or I, anyway, I need the stuff that like gets me. That's like, Oh, right. Oh, that thing. Like, I, yeah, I totally like, you know, took the easy road on discovering the uh, 10 cap or something like that. And, Oh, I need to go back and figure that out better. Whereas to somebody else that wouldn't even like matter at all because it's so automatic. They don't even need a checklist item for it. So very individual. Okay. There's my caveat. Ready? Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. And I would say that you're bound to be able to add more to any of these lists. I could Mm -hmm. certainly do it Mm -hmm. quite easily. Um, I would challenge you to remove any that might be a little harder to do and still um, cover all the bases that we want to cover. But in general, this is not going to be perfect. And it's just what triggers my alerts. It's, it's like, okay, these are red flag issues. If I've, I've just discovered over 30 years of this stuff that if I have, if I miss out on one of these things, I could crash the plane. I'm capable of crashing the plane. So how do you want to give me like a general overview first of what you're looking at? Are there categories? Like how is the structure? Categories. Okay. Um, I cleverly use the rule acronym to keep me. <laughs> I find it useful. Nothing on, like branding. I mean, I like it a lot. And of course you might torture something to get it into the acronym, but it's okay. As long as you can use something that kind of tracks across the entire checklist. So something short. So you know, you're going to, you're going to hit everything. It's a little bit like having a speech and you have, you know, 10 slides Mm-hmm. And you know, because you're going to bring that slide up, that you're going to get to move to that new subject. And, and it'll carry you along through the entire speech. Um, and on each slide, there might be many sub pieces of information that you have to go over. Hmm. All right. So the, the main stuff, the main slideshow here is following the rules 
Rules. R-U-L-E-S, rules. And okay. it is radar, understand, love, event, and story inversion. That's a little tortured right there. Rules. Story inversion. Radar, understand, love, event, story inversion. All right. All right. All right. All right. And just to give you a little broader look at the outline, um, the understand portion of this thing is actually the four M's, meaning, moat, management, margin, and safety. You'll understand that. You'll understand the business well. You'll understand that it's wonderful and that it is or isn't on sale. You know what price you want to pay for it by the time you're through with you, the you so part. also the same as Charlie's principles, basically. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, basically the, okay. the same four things right there. So t- what's the first one? Radar. What's that? Radar. Where does this come from? Where How'd this, this get on your radar? From? So we look for something that's coming into us, not from just out of nowhere. It's not my brother-in-law's suggestion that I should buy something because his dentist told him it's a deal. What's the actual it, checklist item say? Okay. There's only three. Under radar. Okay. The first one is the business is owned 4% or more by a good investor. Hmm. Business owned 4% or more. That's like a high bar. By a good investor. Okay. We'll come back to that. The industry, this industry is in two of my three circles. Meaning your circles of competence? Mm-hmm. Meaning Industry my three circles of competence, my passions, of my three circles, my passions, my talent, my money, lead me to understand things better than if they're in none of those circles. So I like, I like motorcycles. I've made money in a motorcycle company. I had a motorcycle touring company. I like building them. I understand how to build a motorcycle. Right. So it's. It's an old passion. I'm, I'm relatively talented at it because I made money in a company at it. And, I'm, and it's a money place for me. I spend it mm. and I, I make money. So that's in all three of my circles. So I, I should feel pretty decent about taking a look at Harley Davidson, at Polaris, right? I mean, it should, it should be, you know, a decent look at those things wouldn't be a shock to me. I wouldn't be like out of my depth, okay. probably. Okay? okay. And then the final thing is I know the industry or... I'm excited to become an expert in it. Wait a so second. That's totally it, the opposite of what you just said. Well, if I'm passionate about something, let's say that I'm a school teacher. I'm passionate about teaching. I make money doing it. I think I'm talented at it. Mm-hmm. I don't know anything about the industry. Oh, I got you. Okay. I got no clue. I didn't even know there were companies out there that were involved in the industry. I thought it was all See, potentially, right? I thought it was all public education. That's such an example of how a checklist is so individual to a person because I didn't even know what you were talking about. But to right you, on. it's completely obvious. Yeah. I need to become an expert at this industry, whatever this industry is. So industry the, is, can you say that one again? <laughs> industry is something I'm already excited about or could, what did you say? Could be? No. I know the industry. That's the second one. That's the third one. Oh, okay. In other words, I'm the second one is I'm a school teacher and it's as a passion, talent, money. Mm-hmm. The third one is and I know the industry of school teaching. I know about K twelve. Tell me I tell me what it actually ITT. says on the checklist. It says I know this industry or 
I'm excited to become an expert in it. Ah, I know this industry. Or I'm excited to become an expert in right. it. Will we be able to put these up so people can read them? Yeah, it'll be on our show notes um, ah, as we go. go episode by episode. Because it's a little hard to get these down and, you know, repeat it, repeat it, repeat it. Yeah. It'd be so boring. Audio, like podcasts lend itself to some really good stuff, but not so much like detailed lists, lists and stuff. Yeah, that's why yeah. we wrote our book because we were like, oh, well, <laughs> some of these things don't come across that well. So, guys, here we are again. Um trying to talk about things on a podcast that are a little easier if you can just read them, but that is life. So we'll show note these. Yeah. So, so Radar, where the investing idea came from, business is owned by a guru, big time. Not a, It's not a dip your toe in the water. It's like they're in. Uh, it's in two of my three circles. I know it and I'm excited about this industry or I'm going to know it and be excited about it. Those are the three things we got to do. And to put that, let's let's use Apple Computer as an example for just for fun here. Um, it went right on my radar when I saw Warren Buffett was buying Apple Computer. Mm-hmm. I went right on my radar when I saw David Einhorn was buying Apple Computer. Okay, so when I see guys I really respect are filing 13Fs and saying, I am now acquiring major positions in Apple Computer, that is a big wake-up call that this might be something for me to get into. That's a wonderful way for this to get on my radar. All right. But tell me about this 4% bar because that's really high. When you say 4%, do you mean of an individual investor's portfolio or do you mean of the company? No, 4% of their portfolio. Oh, so again, there you go. Because I read that as of the company and I was like, you're not going to find hardly anybody. Right. Okay. 4% of portfolio of portfolio now why four percent because that represents a little less than a one in 20 uh position one you know one twentieth of your portfolio a little less than that and um and that's not a big spot but it's big enough that you probably paid real close attention mm-hmm. compared to i mean warren doesn't have anything that's not bigger than 4% unless Todd or Ted are doing it. And he doesn't do like that. Neither does Charlie. Um, But you go to a guy like Lee Ainsley, he's got like a hundred companies, you know, everything's Mm -hmm. 1%. What that means is Lee isn't diving into these enough to where he can't afford to lose one. He's diversifying. And in my view, he's over diversifying. He's not a ruler type investor. He's a good investor, but he's not going to pay the attention to these things that you would pay if you're going to buy 4%. So that's, that's yeah, the Yeah, and then bar. there's other investors um, who, as you've said a number of times, they'll buy, just like we all do, they'll buy like small, very, very small amounts just to kind of dip a toe in and see, well, I don't know why they do it, but I know you and I do oh, it to see same, if we really know our stuff. the same exact reason. <laughs> it triggers you freaking out. He's like, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh. And you'll see really good investors buy, you know, a quarter of 1% of their portfolio will go into something and they'll never buy anymore. Yeah, yeah. They hit the wall right in there and it's like, "Uh uh-oh. Yeah, I just found out something and then gradually you see that disappear. Yeah. So, yeah. But then they'll own like, you know, 20% of their portfolio will be one company. 
and yeah. they've been buying it for steadily for three years, you know? Exactly. So, That's so yeah. much to the point, Danielle, that when you're watching what these really great investors are doing, they don't tend to do it fast because they have a lot of capital. Mm -hmm. They are moving into a position a little bit at a time mm -hmm. and you're going to have really substantially more time than you would imagine to buy those companies long after this become public knowledge. Um, they're often cheaper. I bought Apple computer when it was cheaper than what David Einhorn was paying for it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's, that's typically not an issue. And, um, and so we can wait and watch them accumulate. When they, when you see them starting to accumulate, that gets on my radar in a big hurry. I'm going to start digging. And by the time I'm done digging, they you know, might take me a couple of months or three months or 10 days or whatever, however hard I work at it. Um, they've often accumulated a substantial position. I got into uh, Burlington Northern when Buffett was acquiring a position for 18 months. He was acquiring a position. And he started acquiring that position best I know, uh, at about $80 a share. And I started acquiring my position at 65. Hmm. And I kept acquiring a position, I think so did he, as the stock went all the way down to 50. Hmm. And so, there's, you, have a, you can have a lot of time. I mean, basically, Warren is going to go in when there's fear so sufficient about a company or an industry that the rest of the market doesn't care that the great Warren Buffett is buying it. They're like, ah, maybe Warren knows something, but this is too scary for me. And I'm very clear that over the next year or so, this is going to be a disaster and uh, as a stock, and I'm not going to be in it. And Buffett, of course, has a longer timeline. I'm not his timeline. I'm my timeline. So, Whereas we are on Warren Buffett's timeline. We're individual investors. We don't have to answer to anybody. So we, we don't have to worry that the company's not going to go up for two years or something, right? Let's just get it when it's cheap. That's all. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's Radar. So Owned by a guru. And by the way, I think there's like 40 of them or so out there that I would really say are worthy of, of the title. Um, that's a pretty limited group. And uh, then I want to know, even if a guru's buying it, that it's in two, at least two of my three circles. You know, I, I have some familiarity with it. You know, one of one of my analysts brought me a, a company that was in the, it, it makes the equipment that makes chips. <laughs> I mean, and not potato chips. If it was potato chips, I'm, I could be oh, all about that. Oh, I totally that. thought you meant potato chips. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, intriguing. <laughs> but no, it wasn't potato. I was like, yeah, let's take a look at a chip company. I can handle that. What kind of Is oil do they use? Is it triangles or circles? <laughs> But this turned out to be those little silicon wafers you can't eat. <laughs> and I'm just, as as much as he could tell me how great it was and it's on sale, and I, I'm sorry, man, it's not in any of my circles and I can't get there. I just, it wasn't in two and I wasn't excited about getting to be an expert in it. That's just number three. And so I passed and of course it doubled, right? It absolutely doubled in the of next course. six months. So I missed it, but... That's the discipline. You just have to have that discipline. And this, by the way, is the difference between focusing on making money and focusing mm. on not losing it. Mm -hmm. you, you see, it's not just a, a little joke, um, I'm, you know, buy low, sell high. It is about your focus. Mm. If I can't understand a chip maker <clears throat> and I'm not excited about learning about it, then all the upside in the world doesn't mean anything to me. As an investor, I'm not investing in home runs or even going up. I'm investing in not going down. Hmm. 
and I, I just remind everybody, Monesh says it so well, I want free lottery tickets, okay? So to me, I can only get a free lottery ticket if I know and I'm excited enough to know about the company well enough to know that this isn't going down from this place. And I just, just that, that chip company, I'm sorry, man. I just, I can't get thrilled about it. You know? So how do you treat, maybe you've already answered this, but how do you treat these, this checklist? Do you have to check off all three of these? How do you treat it? Is it required? Is it optional? Is it two out of the three? Like, how do you treat this? Well, definitely the, the, the last two, you know, the three circles and, and willing to become an expert. Those are, are okay. Number three is the mandatory one. <laughs> I <laughs> ah, have so to there's be different treatment for each, <laughs> each criteria. I have to, be, I was just looking at this to see uh, how, how many times do I violate one of these? I have to become an expert at it. I have to be willing to do that. Um, I'm, I was just thinking in a, a, a long time ago, I would get outside of my three circles because my three circles were pretty limited and I would push the edges of those um, sometimes on companies I thought I would be really interested in learning about, mm-hmm. right? So technology companies, software companies, you know, I invested in software stuff. So I pushed outside that um, and always because I felt like I was talented enough to learn about these and I immediately started spending money on them before I ever bought any, before I ever got into the, the companies that I wanted to own. You mean real money? Yeah, real money. I would go out and buy stuff. Like You'd I'd go buy out the and products. Buy stuff. The oh. products. Oh. Right. So before I ever owned Apple Computer, I needed to own Apple. Oh, I thought you meant you started buying the stock no. in large amounts before really. No. Oh, okay. No. no, I'm going to buy the product. And if I can't buy the product, if it's some B2B thing and I can't own it and I'm not in my three circles, I doubt that I'm going to go into that. I can't remember any that I ever have. Hmm. And then the la- the one that I violate fairly regularly is that uh, it's not owned by a good investor. And a lot of time that's because I'm looking at companies that are too small mm-hmm. for lots of good investors to be interested in. Yeah. You have to remember that for it's Warren Buffett to It's a criteria that I struggle with, criterion yeah. that I struggle and it's, with. It's really the advantage of being a small investor is that we can buy things that, that the analysts and other big investors aren't looking at. But the danger is there might not be a guru in it. You might not have somebody you really respect because most of those guys are so successful. They're managing, I think, without exception, they're all managing at least a billion dollars of every, everybody on my list. And if you're managing a billion dollars, there's a lot of companies. If you're only, you're managing a billion dollars and you're going to own 10 companies? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, <laughs> that's a hundred million average per company. And there's a lot of companies. If you own a hundred million of it, you own half of it. You, you own, own all a of quarter it. of it. Or you own all of it, <laughs> right? You're not liquid. You're stuck in it. And they're not going to do that. They're, they're going to they're gonna remain relatively liquid. Uh, if only to buy into the thing, you can't get into it because you just send the stock price to the roof. Yeah. I've had that experience where um, you know, I You've bought into had a that little experience? company. Oh, with a little yeah, company. Yeah, it was really fun. Yeah, just into a really tiny little company just for the fun of it to see what would happen. As and I it was put a in public just a few thousand. Company. Mm-hmm. Public company, very thinly traded. And I moved the stock price up two or 300% as I came into it. Hmm. I made everybody think that thing was going... Do you remember what percentage you bought? Oh, oh, gosh, I don't remember the percentage. Like, I wonder how, when it comes to a small company, how much you have to buy. It was like like 1%. Yeah, 
something like that. Wasn't but probably lot. the trading volume was just so low that it oh, was like trading volume was very it. low. I, you know, it was it was a company that was going to put a uh, like a satellite detection device on rental cars and your oh. own car. So if it gets stolen, you, you can find out where it is, you know, way ahead of GPS tracking and stuff. Mm-hmm. A long time ago. And um, I thought, you know, this could be kind of interesting. I wouldn't mind owning a little piece of it. Let's see what happens if I try to get enough to make sense. And I just blew up the stock. It was a penny stock. And I blew it up from like 13 cents to 80 cents or something <gasps> no! like that. Oh yeah, and then I thought. Then I, I learned more about it, and it was like, nah, this isn't gonna, this isn't gonna beat out the stuff that the big guys have. And uh, you know, I called some car rental companies; they weren't interested in the whole thing, right? Mm-hmm. And I decided to get out, and I drove it down to a nickel, <laughs> getting oh. out. So it's just like I, I pity the big guys trying to go into smaller stocks, and if they were trying, so they usually don't try. That sounds kind and that of means fun, that though. A lot of times, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm the guru in this one. Um, and, and I've got to be okay with that. So if you're just getting started, this is number one's a really good rule. Just be patient and wait patiently and you're, you're going to you make less mistakes. That says, if you're the guru, get out. <laughs> if you're the guru, run, run on. If you look around and you can't find who the idiot is, you're the idiot. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. If you look around and nobody's a guru. <laughs> You're the sucker. All right. So that's radar, and um, we'll move on from that. I think. Uh, f- feel free to write us about it if you think that there's something that should be added to that. And uh, feel free to write us about companies that you've seen got on your radar somehow, and uh, and you liked them, and let's see what happened. Okay. Sounds so, good. So next uh, time more, we'll get into more. It, the, get big one. The, oh, the big, big one. Oh, big one. Understanding. Dear. Oh. The meaning of the business. Okay. That's fun. All All right. right. Till then. Time to go play. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Hi, guys. Thanks for listening to Invested. If you enjoyed this episode and you want more information, including show notes and more episodes, visit us at investedpodcast.com. There's a special offer waiting for podcast listeners to attend my three-day investing workshop absolutely free. So just head to investedpodcast.com. Everything discussed on this podcast is either my opinion or Danielle's opinion and is not to be taken as investing advice because I am not your investment advisor, nor have I considered your personal situation as your fiduciary. This podcast is for your entertainment and education only, and I hope you enjoyed it.